Church, we are so excited that you decided to join us for Easter Sunday on Facebook Live. We invite you to uh, sing along with us, stand, sit, whatever makes you feel comfortable, but join in and worship Jesus with us. Sing a little louder. 
the King is alive. I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm, louder and louder. You're gonna hear my praises roar up from the ashes. Hope will arise. Death is defeated. The King is alive. Praise the King. He is risen. Praise the King. He is alive. Praise the King. Death's defeated. Oh, hallelujah. He is alive.
death, where is your sting? The grave could not ignore it. When all of heaven's roaring, hell, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? The world could not ignore it. When all the saints are roaring, hell, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Praise the King. He is risen. Praise the King. He's alive. Praise the King. Death's defeated. Oh, hallelujah. He's alive. Prophet Isaiah chapter 53 starting at verse 2 my servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot there was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance nothing to attract us to him he was despised and rejected a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief we turned our backs on him and looked the other way he was despised and we did not care yet it was our weaknesses he carried it was our sorrows that weighed him down and we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our iniquities. He was beaten so we could be made whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as the sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants and that his life was cut short midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of his people. He had done no wrong and he had never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal and he was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants and he will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins.
silent as he stood accused, beaten, mocked, and scorned, bowing to Jesus spilled now the curse of sin has no hold on me who the sun sets free oh is free indeed now my debt is paid it is paid in full by the precious blood that my Jesus spilled now the curse of sin has no hold on me, whom the sun sets free, oh, it's free indeed. Oh, that rugged cross, my salvation, where your love poured out over me. Now my soul cries out, hallelujah. Salvation, where your love poured 
is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. Jesus is alive. I don't know about you, River Church, but I'm excited. I know you're at home, but you can still get excited about Jesus being alive. I wish we could be together. I wish we could celebrate together. But I want you to take a few moments while you're sitting at home and just thank him and just worship him. Lord, we worship you. We thank you that you are alive. Lord, we thank you for what that means for us. In Romans, the 8th chapter, it's, uh, the 11th verse says this, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit that's living in you. If you feel dead this morning, there's hope for you. If you feel washed up, if you feel like you're buried this morning, there is hope for you. Because Jesus rose, we will rise. Hallelujah. We're going to sing uh, one more time. I want to sing that, that last verse and then, that last, and then the chorus one more time. And I want us to worship and I want us to praise. And, and, and at home, wherever you're watching, I want you to think about and meditate on what Christ did for you and what it means for you that he is risen. He is risen from the dead. Hallelujah. Let's sing it one more time. See the stone is rolled away. Behold the him as risen savior we worship him for who he is and for what he has done we're going to go into a time of prayer this morning <clears throat> lord i come to you this morning and i thank you for what you have done i thank you that you are risen i thank you that we have hope i thank you that we have hope we are not as those who have no hope but we have hope because of you we have hope because of the work that you did on the cross we have hope because of the work that you did in the grave and that you came up out of that grave victorious. And we worship you and we thank you for that. Lord, I pray for the prayer requests, Lord, that have been coming in. Lord, I pray for Terry Nolan this morning. God, I pray that your hand would be upon her. God, I pray that you would give her strength. God, I pray for strength for her body, strength for her spirit. God, I pray that you would minister strength to her even, Lord, now as we pray. Lord, I pray for Maria's family. Lord, I pray for her um, loved one who has passed on. 
Lord, I pray that you would give them strength, that you would comfort them. Lord, I pray for the Kepner family this morning. God, I pray that you would give them strength, give them peace, give them hope in this time. Lord, I pray for John this morning. I pray that you would touch him in his body. God, I pray that you would lift him up off of his bed of affliction. God, I pray that you would go to him. Let the healing power of Jesus Christ would go to him right now. Lord, even as we pray, Lord, I pray for all of the needs, Lord. Lord, I pray for your people. Lord, I pray for those uh, who are out of work. God, I pray that your hand would be upon them. God, that you would supply all of their needs. God, I pray for those who are still working. God, I pray that your hand of protection would be upon them. God, I pray for our leaders, for our, for our government, God, that you would give them wisdom. God, I pray that they would make sound uh, decisions, God, that they would look to you. God, I pray for the health care workers, God, I pray for protection over them. God, I pray for strength for them. God, I pray for wisdom for all of us. God, I pray for this church. I pray for the church leaders, God, that we would, that we would act and do as you would have us do. Lord, I pray that you would be with us over these next few moments. God, I pray for everybody that's, that's watching, Lord, on their tablet or on their phone or, or on their TV. Lord, however they're watching, wherever they are, God, I pray that your peace and your strength would go to them. God, that they would feel your presence right there with them. That even though we can't gather together in the church on this Easter, that they would feel your resurrection power with them right where they are. God, minister to them, speak to them, lift them up. Lift them up. God, I pray that you would bring encouragement and strength to those today. I thank you for it. Be with us, Lord. God, be with me as I, as I try to look into your word. God, I would say and do what you would have me say. God, I pray that we would bring peace and light and some hope and some joy today. I thank you for it. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let us pray the prayer that Christ taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen and amen. Amen. God is good. I'm in such a habit of saying you may be seated after I say amen there. So at home, you may be seated. I guess the band may be seated. God is good. We're going to give you an opportunity um, through our website or through text to give if you want <clears throat> to give and be a blessing to the church. I know I've said this before, but the church, even though we're not gathering, we are still being the church. Um, we've got some great opportunities to minister coming up. Um, if you're bored at home being quarantined and you have access to masks, um, we're going to have uh, some paint, a painting party pretty soon. Um, of course, we're going to practice all social distancing policies. We'll be six feet apart, but uh, there's a project that the church is uh, kind of taking, taking on, um, helping a family in our community. So there's going to be an opportunity for you to get out of the house and do something if you want, so contact me or contact the church. Uh, but at this time, you can give through our text to give, um, text to give app or on our website if you so desire. Um, amen. Amen. God is good. God is good to us. I don't know about you, but I love Easter Sunday. This is my favorite day of the year. When I was a kid, my birthday was my favorite day of the year, but now that I'm old, 
I don't look forward to birthdays anymore. Now they're usually depressing uh, days. But Easter is my favorite day of the year because it's the day that we celebrate Jesus' resurrection, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And we do, it's not just the church that celebrates. The world celebrates with us. The world celebrates with us. They celebrate Christmas with us, too, I understand, and we've distorted it. And to an extent, we've distorted Easter. But at least a lot of people right now are thinking about Jesus raising from the dead. And Jesus told us to remember his death. He didn't tell us to remember his birth. He told us to remember his death. And that's what we do with the, at the Lord's table and with the Lord's supper. But Easter is one of my favorite, or is my favorite day of the year. And it's usually because I get to see everybody's smiling faces. And, and you know, my heart is breaking this morning that I can't see my church family. Um, but hopefully and prayerfully, someday we will all be able to gather together again when it's safe and in a, and in a safe manner and see each other's smiling faces. But it is Easter Sunday, so I'm going to talk a little bit about Easter. I, I think my message is a little unorthodox for an Easter message, but most of, if, if you know anything about me, most of my messages are unorthodox because I'm kind of a weird person. Um, and that's, yeah, thank you. Thank you for those amens, yeah. <laughs> but that's just kind of the way I am. I just, I'm just different um, and, I, and I, I tried to put together an Easter message, and then I just kept, my mind just kept trailing off. So, so we're going to be looking at, uh, <clears throat> yes, we're going to talk about Jesus rising from the dead, and, and, and we'll, get, we'll get to that. But I'm going to talk a little bit, um, I'm going to bounce around a little bit. So uh, let me look at the clock and see what time it is. Um, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this day. Lord, I pray that you would bless me. Uh, bless your people, rather, Lord, as, as I try to, to look into the scriptures and try to say what I feel like you want me to say today. God, I pray that if there are those who are listening, who are far from you, that they will come back, that they will come home. If there are those who are discouraged today, Lord, that they would be lifted up. Lord, if there are those uh, who need healing today, God, that they would uh, find healing in your word, that they would find restoration in your word. Lord, be with us as we look into your word. May your spirit be here with us and illuminate our minds and our hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Jesus is alive. He is risen. He still is going into dead places. He's still um, rolling away stones for people. Jesus is alive. He is here. He's risen. Amen. Amen. Uh, he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the name is above every other name. And he's alive. And he's the reason we gather together. We don't get together because of uh, Easter eggs and chocolate, although I love chocolate and I love Easter eggs and I love breaking them open and getting the surprise, you know, finding stale, off-brand candy. I, I still love that just as much. Or finding a nickel or a quarter. I used to love that as a kid. I was always, I would always hoard a little bit, you know. I was always a little husky when I was younger. Uh, and some of you are thinking when you were younger. <laughs> I've had a lifetime of huskiness. Uh, I would always have to shop in the husky section. My mom would have to buy men's pants for me sometimes and hem them up. And I was just a few short years away from uh, 
making excuses every couple months to Dr. Nazardin why I wasn't losing the weight. <laughs> Some of you will get that. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus, resurrection, Easter, Easter candy. That's, where, that's how we got on that. Uh, goodness. Jesus is risen. I want to read a scripture to you from 1 Corinthians 15.43, and it simply says this, Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. I love this scripture. I love it because it describes the human condition. We are broken and we are weak. All of us are broken. I'm a broken individual. Everybody who's watching this is broken. You have been broken in one way or another. You have, you have contributed to the brokenness of others in one way or another. We are all broken individuals. I heard said this week that there are no perfect congregations. There are no perfect congregations. And if you happen to find one, don't join it because you'll ruin it. Because you'll spoil it. Because there's nobody that's perfect. But this speaks, scripture speaks to the human condition. We're broken and we're weak. And I want to read to you a story about someone who the world would consider broken and weak. It's a story actually about two, two people who, who, whose paths kind of intersect. We have a father who, whose daughter is very ill. He's the leader um, of a local, uh, well, it says it right in the scripture, a leader of a local synagogue. And his daughter is sick, and he does what he, he, does what he knows he has to do, even though it might cost him his place in the community, it might cost him his job. And then, uh, but he's going to do whatever he has to do to save his daughter. And then on the other side of town, we have someone else leaving their house who, who is also desperate, who is willing to do anything to change their situation. So let's read about these two individuals and how their paths cross. In Mark 5, Jesus got into the boat again. Jesus was always getting into boats and went back to the other side of the lake. If I were the disciples at this point in, in Mark's gospel, after having read previous chapters, I wouldn't get in a boat with Jesus. Because every time they get in the boat, it seems like something bad happens. But that's just life. Sometimes, every day, it seems like something bad could happen. Where a large crowd gathered around him. A large crowd gathered around Jesus on the shore. There, a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was, uh, I've heard this name pronounced a million different ways, so you're just going to have to take my pronunciation of it. Jairus arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed. 
of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched me? His disciples said to him, Look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask, Who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the house of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no, there's no use in troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead, she's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave. And he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha Kaum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And then he told them to give her something to eat. That's a long telling of scripture. That's a lot of reading, and I apologize uh, <clears throat> for that. But I wanted to get you the full story, the full context. And my first point this morning is the story is not about the crowd. Because the crowd had gathered. The crowd was there. And at Easter time, we always have our biggest crowd. There's, we always have the biggest crowd at Easter. That's one of the reasons I was looking so forward to this year, to see if we could beat last year's number. The biggest crowd always comes at Easter. But the story is not about the crowd. The story is about those who press in and get close to Jesus, and those who will push through the crowd and get close to him and reach out and touch him. The story is not about the crowd. If, if you're watching this this morning, you're part of the crowd. But you can just turn this off and walk away. And then the story won't be about you. But, but you can make a difference in your life by reaching out, reaching through, pushing through, and touching Christ. And asking him to save you, save the situation, save you from yourself. The story's not about the crowd. The crowd's always there. The story's about those who persevere, those who push through. The crowd. Matthew 7 tells us that the crowd finds the broad road. The broad road leads to destruction. Now what is that broad road? We could spend a lot of time talking about that. I've heard many sermons about what the broad road is, and I think they were all wrong. Because right before Jesus gives this broad road, narrow road, he gives us the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's the narrow road. But... But the broad road, the crowd finds. Everybody finds. The, the crowd can be found on the broad road. Just because you're part of the crowd doesn't mean you're part of the story. Just because you're watching, hey, oh, yeah, they're on Facebook Live. Yeah, oh, that's good. In, in this story, the crowd, the crowd shows up. The crowd uh, observes. The crowd laughs. And then the crowd leaves. That's what a lot of you are going to do when you watch this. Probably. <laughs> I just, I just know my own limitations. A man should know his own limitations. I know 
that some of you are going to see my feeble attempts at preaching and probably laugh. And that's okay. I'm okay with that. I do the same thing too. But don't just be part of the crowd. Be one of the ones that presses through the crowd. That's my first point. Don't just be part of the crowd. The story is not about the crowd. The story is about those who press through and get to Christ. Um, this woman, I want to talk about her for just a second. It says that she had an issue of blood. And I'm not, I'm not going to go into great detail about what that may have meant or what that could have meant or what that did mean. But let me tell you this much about it. In the society, Mark knows, <clears throat> the writer of Mark knows who he is writing to. He knows his audience. And he knows that when he t- says, gives us this detail about this woman, that we would know a lot of things about her. That she was constantly ceremonially unclean. She was constantly unclean. She could not observe religious festivals. She could not gather with other people. She was unclean. For 12 years, she hadn't gone to a birthday party. For 12 years, she had not been able to go to the temple or to the synagogue to worship. She was unclean. She had spent all that she had. And it says, he tells us, she suffered at the hands of first century doctors. Who knows what, they, what remedies they had? I mean, we were still putting leeches on people not too long ago. And we're talking about first century doctors trying to voodoo this woman to health. So she suffered at the hands of, of, these, of many doctors and spent all that she had. She was unclean. She was an outcast of society. But she wanted to touch Jesus. She had had no, um, like I said, no, no religious ceremonies, no birthday parties, no family get-togethers, no hugs. She was unclean for 12 years. And Jesus is on his way. Jesus is on a mission to go heal a little girl. Jesus is on his way to someone who is very important. He's on his way to that person's house to heal that daughter. That's where Jesus is on his way to. And this woman thinks, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can touch his robe, I will be made clean. And so she sneaks up and touches Jesus, making Jesus unclean. She spoils, she's spoiling the day, really. And Jesus stops what he's doing and says, who touched me? Who has touched me? And the disciples are like, what are you talking about who touched you? Everybody's touching you. Everybody's pressing in. Everybody's around you. But one person reached past his humanity and into his divinity and touched him. One person's faith reached through all that and touched Jesus. And Jesus stops. And I've always wondered, why did Jesus make such a big deal? Why didn't Jesus just like wink at her like, you know, or like, you know, we'll do one of these. Like, we, we both know what's going on. I got somewhere to be. You know, you're welcome for the healing. <laughs> but Jesus stops everything and says, what's going on? Jesus knew who touched him. He says, he stops everything and says, who touched me? And finally, it says that she is, is terrified and she comes and throws herself at her feet. And another version says, she tells him everything. She tells him everything. Her past, 
her failures, her mistakes, her, her, her disappointments. She, she, she lays it all out. She tells Jesus everything. And this Jesus, we know that this Jesus has the power of heaven behind him. Mark has already told us that he has the power to stop the winds and the waves. He, he looks at the winds and the waves and can tell them to shut up and they listen. He speaks to thousands of demons and commands them to leave this guy alone. I mean, this is heaven. This is the power of heaven. And when the power of heaven turns and looks at this woman who, who has made him now unclean according to law, what does it say to her? When the power of heaven is unleashed on her, Jesus says something to her that he says to no one else in all of the Gospels. Daughter. Daughter. The reason that Jesus stopped everything was because he did not just want her to be healed of her infirmity. He wanted to be, her to be restored in the community. He wanted her to be restored spiritually and communally and physically. Because Christ is not just interested in making you feel better. He wants to restore you communally. Everybody who saw this knows that she's now healed. Because if she had just touched him and ran, then she could tell everybody, oh, I'm fine. Oh, sure you are. Don't touch me. Don't make me unclean. But because they see the miracle of Jesus, now word spreads. Hey, you know, we don't even get her name. She's clean now. She's clean. Jesus restores her physically, spiritually, and communally. And that's what he wants to do for you. That's what he wants to do for me. If we'll step out of the crowd and reach out in faith and touch him, we will be restored that way. Christ will restore us that way. That's why he stopped everything. Not to embarrass her, to restore her. He was restoring her. Because that's what heaven does when heaven speaks. When heaven speaks into the human condition, it speaks the words daughter or son. It doesn't, it's not lightning and fire and brimstone. <clears throat> so, Jesus is on his way, like I mentioned, to heal, um, to heal Jairus' daughter. And this woman comes and lays it all out, gives him everything. And that's what he wants of us. He wants all of us. He doesn't just want the Facebook version of our life, where we just show the pictures of when we're on vacation and when the diet has just ended. That's not just what Jesus wants. I mean, that, if you look at my Facebook, you're like, and then you see me in person, you're like, man, when did your hair turn so white? And when did you gain 80 pounds? Because on my Facebook profile, it's just the best, right? My Instagram is, I only, you only put the best. Jesus doesn't just want the best of you. He wants all of you. He wants every last detail so that he can restore all of you and heal all of you. He wants the real you, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And it's not until you bring all of who you are that you can really be healed of all of that. You don't have to pretend with God. You don't have to pretend with Jesus. We pretend with each other so often. And we, we, we act like we're better than what we are. God just wants the honest, true us. Whatever it is, whoever you are, that's what God wants. 
Bring it to him. Give it to him. All right, so all of heaven, when it speaks, it speaks daughter. He called her daughter. Jesus wanted all of her. <clears throat> I was going to talk a long time about Jairus' daughter, but I think we're just going to get to the meat because I don't want to uh, go too terribly long. And sometimes on Easter, that is my habit. I try to say everything there is to say about Jesus in one day. But you want to know why I do that? It's because we get the biggest crowd that day, and we're not going to see a lot of those people for another year. So I want to give him everything I got. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Amen right there. Amen right there. <laughs> uh, let me just say briefly, Jesus goes, he heals the daughter. He leaves the crowd behind. He goes in, he heals the, the little girl. But then he gives the, and he, he says to the crowd, like, no, 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 settle down. She's just asleep. Then he goes in, heals the little girl, and he tells them, don't tell anybody this. Don't tell anybody. I don't know about you, but if in my ministry I prayed for um, somebody and they were raised from the dead, I, I'd hire them as a person to travel with me, you know. Be like, oh, yeah, and this is the person that was dead that I prayed for. But Jesus is like, don't tell anybody. And, and I've always wondered about that, you know, okay, maybe it's not his time yet. He doesn't want to. But maybe he's more concerned about this little girl's life moving forward than he is about his reputation. Nobody wants to be known as the zombie girl. Nobody wants to be known as the dead person. Jesus is more concerned about restoring you than he is about his reputation. So that's all. That's 20 minutes worth of preaching in like two minutes. So. And he still is doing that. He, he leaves the crowd behind. The crowd came. The crowd saw. The crowd laughed. The crowd left. Don't just be part of the crowd. Reach out. Touch him. All right, the main point I want you to get out of that is don't be part of the crowd and that when heaven speaks, it speaks daughter or son. All right, so let's fast forward now to, um, to where we are on the calendar. Um, this, this, this is Holy Week, this past week. Um, if you saw on our Facebook page, we released a couple of um, videos talking about, about that, um, about Good Friday, and we did one on on Wednesday, um, and so I kind of want to pick up, <clears throat> pick up a little bit there. Jesus, um, Jesus has left the Last Supper. We talked about the Last Supper. Um, Jesus has left the Last Supper. He's going to the garden to pray. And in John, the seventeenth chapter, we get um, a couple of a couple things that I want to take out of there and talk about. Uh, I, something that's very interesting to me is, is when Jesus is talking about, he's praying to the Father, and he's praying and he's talking to God about the 12 disciples. When you read that, I'm like, man, Jesus is really building these guys up. You know, I'm like, Jesus, do you, have you read what we've read? Have you been privy to the information that we all have about these guys? Jesus is really building these guys up. Like, they have believed in me. They have trusted you. And, and as I read that this week, I thought about the scripture that says we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, and how that he is interceding for us. And when Christ looks at us, he sees the good in us, right? He sees the best of us. 
And that's how he saw, that's what he saw in his disciples. He exaggerates the loyalty and goodness of his disciples. I just thought that was interesting. That he saw what they could be. He saw the, uh, their potential. You know, if it would have been me, I probably would have, my prayer might have been, are you sure these are the right 12 guys? Are you sure that these are the guys we're going to entrust this with? Are you sure these are the guys we're going to put this gospel in the hands of? Are you sure that it's these guys that are going to uh, turn the world upside down, flip the world upside down? That might have been my prayer, but it wasn't Christ. Christ sees the best in us, and he sees the best in you. And like I said, this is just just kind of random this morning, but I promise we're going to eventually get to the resurrection. (laughs) But... I, there was something very interesting that I that I that just jumped out of me, and I could I can't not talk about it. John seventeen fifteen. Jesus is praying to the Father about the disciples, and he says, "My prayer is not that you take them out of this world, but that you protect them from the evil one. That you protect them from the evil one." Every single one of these guys that Jesus is praying about, save John the Beloved, will be murdered for their faith in Jesus. And Jesus prays to the Father, protect them from the evil one. So this cannot be a prayer about death. There is something worse than death. There is an infection much worse than death, something that gets in our souls. Jesus said himself, don't fear the one who can take your life. Fear the one who has the power to destroy the soul. Jesus is not saying protect them at all costs from death. He's saying protect them from the evil one. Judas knows this, that there is something worse. There is something worse. There is an infection that comes into our souls, and it's sin. And it's, and it's all sin, yes, but it's specifically, as I read this, I felt like the Lord was speaking to me, and, you know, I know people say that all the time and then say ridiculous things. <laughs> so, so you might think that that's, this is one of those times, but I felt like the Lord was speaking to me, and maybe he was just saying it to me. That the sin of greed that infected Judas was worse than death. All have sinned. Yes, I know all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But there's something about the sin of greed that harms the soul. The greed and selfishness that only thinks of oneself and only looks out for the interest of yourself will not lead to self-fulfillment or contentment. It will lead to never being satisfied and never having enough. Judas traded Christ for silver. Judas was willing to trade people for money. And when we hear that, we're like, oh, no, that's terrible. It's still going on in the world today. It happened in this country, on these shores, for almost 500 years. And we're still suffering we, are, we still have the symptoms of the infection. We still have the symptoms of the illness, of the sickness. Why are you talking about this on Easter Sunday? I don't know. Because the Lord spoke to me about it when I was reading it. 
That the sin of greed of trading silver and people for money and things has infected us, infected the way we think, infected the way we live, infected our economy, infected all of us in ways that we don't even realize. And it's time that we own up to that and accept that and give that to God. Not just as individuals, but as a a nation, as a people. We love to quote, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and ask forgiveness of their sins. We don't like to act like we ever sinned, though. We, we like to act like, oh, well, our nation has never sinned. We were founded upon Judeo-Christian principles. And then we ran the natives off their land and traded people for money for 500 years. There is a sickness that comes from the evil one, that is greed, that will destroy a people, will destroy your soul, will destroy a people. And we are still having symptoms of it, of that infection here. If you're willing to betray people when they don't act like you think they should, then you have this sickness. We all have a little bit of the sickness of, of putting things over people. I'm talking about the sin of greed. There's a sickness that the soul gets, and I believe that this was one of the things that Christ was praying against. Protect them from the evil one that's out to destroy their soul. I found myself praying that prayer over myself this week, over this church, over some of you. Protect us from that. Especially in these times, when, when, when times are tough and you know, everybody isn't working. Everybody's not, um, doesn't have everything that they need. Protect us from the greed that says, I'm going to look out for number one, as Travis Tritz so eloquently put it. Protect us from that attitude. Protect us from the evil one who wants to infect us, infect our souls with that greed. All right, Christ prayed this prayer on the night he was betrayed. Prayed this right before he went to the cross. You might be saying, what does this have to do with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection? Christ prayed that, they, that we, that his, the disciples, would be protected from the evil one. We need to be protected. We need to be on guard and watch for the evil one. All right, that was just kind of a side, side little side road that I took back to Jesus in the garden. So Christ is arrested He's taken to the high priest. They ask him questions. They don't like the way he answers, so the guards start hitting him. They put a blindfold on him and start to hit him and say, prophesy. Tell us who's hitting you. He goes before Pilate. He's, he's beaten. He's mocked. crown of thorns is put on his head. I think it's Luke's gospel tells us they strike him over and over in the head with a rod. Over and over. He briefly stands before Herod, but Herod is only there for the show. Herod just wants to see a trick. Then back to Pilate. Pilate gives in. Pilate has a chance 
to step out of the crowd. We talked about the crowd earlier. Pilate has an opportunity to not be part of the crowd, but he fails. Pilate has an opportunity to not just go with the crowd. He has this conversation with Christ recorded in John's gospel. Pilate has an opportunity to make a difference, to do something, but he goes along with the crowd anyway. And we know from history that it's only a few years after this, Pilate's life is taken from him. Pilate has an opportunity here to to step out of the crowd. You have an opportunity this morning to step out of the crowd, to push through the crowd, to reach out and to touch Christ. Pilate gives in, sentences, sentences him to death. He's taken to Golgotha, the place of the skull. They put spikes in his hands and feet. And this bloodied, marred man is lifted up on a cross. Isaiah tells us that he was beyond recognizable as a man at this point. He was so beaten. And there he hangs. His body is broken. He's not coming back from this. Lazarus, yeah, he raised Lazarus from the dead, but Lazarus' body didn't look like this. Nobody's coming back from this. I mean, his flesh is torn. It's ripped apart. It's ripped open. His side, you can see his, you can see his organs. His back is ripped open. You can see his ribs. He's not coming back from this. Why do you think Thomas was so slow to believe? Because he knew the brutality of what Jesus had endured. This was brutal. And Thomas said, until I see the wounds, and until I see for myself, I'm not going to believe. And Jesus is hanging on the cross. He has been mocked. The crowd has gathered. They're mocking a dying man. You saved others. You can't. Save yourself? Come down from there. And Jesus, having all power, having the power to tell the wind and the waves what to do, the power over heaven and hell, the power to command legions of demons to leave. Jesus, with that kind of power, looks out over that crowd that's done this to him, And now the full power of heaven is going to come down upon them with the words that he speaks. And in Luke's account of the gospel, the words that that, that come forth from heaven are this. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. In the middle of all of this, in the middle of Judas' denial, Pilate's sentence, the high priest stirring up the people, the beating he endured, the spitting, the ripping out of the beard, the mocking, in the middle of all this, 
Christ looks out from his vantage point from the cross. And having, take, having taken in all the violence that we, and all the abuse that we have put upon him, having absorbed in all the insults and all the hatred, he speaks for all of heaven. And all the power of heaven comes out. Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. This is God. This is the position that God takes towards this world. This is the position that God takes towards you. When I was growing up, I've, I've, talked, I've mentioned this before, but when I was growing up, I was, you know, I was, I was, I was always taught, and I, I teach my kids that the church is a holy place. You, when you're on the platform, you act in a certain way. You know, you don't, you know. I was just taught that. As, and, and I guess I was afraid that I was, if I was goofing off or chewing gum on the platform or something, I might trip on a mic cord and break my neck or, uh, you know, accidentally trip and bite my tongue off or something and somebody would be like, oh, yeah, that's what you get for goofing off on the platform. That's what you get for saying the word gosh or, or whatever, you know. I had a fear but in Jesus Christ, we see how God acts when he's disrespected. What will God do if you spit in his face? He'll forgive you. What will he do if you slap him in the face? He'll turn the other cheek. What will you, he do if you mock him? He loves you. He will forgive you. We all have this... Fear of God. And yes, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And, and it is good to have a reverence of God. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't. But God in Christ shows us who he is. That prayer that I was referencing in John 17, John 17, 6. Jesus talking to the Father says, I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. God is revealed to us in Jesus Christ. God's position towards you is revealed to you in Jesus Christ. God did not kill Jesus to get back at you for your sin. God doesn't love you because Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you because God loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It is in the cross that God shows us his love. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Jesus loves us because the Father loves us. The face that we see on the cross, this face that we see looking out, speaking for heaven, that says, Father, forgive them, that's the face that will be on the throne. The face we see on the cross is the face on the throne. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He was the same. He's the same today as he was when he was on earth. The angels say, said, say the same Jesus will return. Jesus isn't up in heaven loading up his guns and going to come back like Dirty Harry or John Wayne. 
Guns a-blazing. It's the same Jesus that was here. That's coming back. Jesus coming back is good news. It is good news. We've turned it into this horrific, oh no, yeah, it's going to get a lot worse, of course. And then Jesus will come back. Now Jesus, Jesus coming back is good news. He's going to make all things right. All right. I'm, already, I'm talking about his ascension and coming back, and I'm, I haven't even got him out of the grave yet. Okay. <laughs> Jesus is taken down and he's buried. And the next day is the Sabbath, so they don't, they can't come. But as soon as they're permitted by law to show up, they bring spices, the women. So the women, show, they, they, they start walking. Jesus has already risen, and they're wanting to anoint his dead body. Jesus has risen, and they're still acting like he's dead. And that sometimes is how we act. Christ has risen. Christ has delivered us. Christ has freed us from sin. Christ has given us power uh, over sin and victory over, over uh, hell, death, and the grave, and victory over the grip that sin had on our life. But we still walk around shackled by sin sometimes. Christ has given you victory over that. Start living your life in that victory. Start living your life in that freedom that comes from Him. I read you the scripture earlier from Romans. That if the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, it will quicken your body. And you can live victorious. And you can walk around in freedom like Christ did. That's why Christ, one of the reasons Christ rose from the dead was to bring victory and freedom to you. From sin. Pastor Walker talked about it last week. So Jesus rises from the dead. There's this glorious thing. The stone is, is rolled away. The stone was not rolled away for Christ's benefit. It was rolled away for our benefit. So, so for the disciples' benefit. So they could go in and see the empty tomb. The stone's rolled away. Christ appears to his disciples that night on the first Easter Sunday. That night, the disciples are locked in a room. Christ shows up and appears to them. So here we have Christ, the first conversation that he has with these guys who, who all fled, who all abandoned him. They all left. Scripture tells us that they all abandoned him. They all left. They left Jesus in his when he needed them the most, they left. They abandoned him. And now, here he is, the first conversation that he has with them. And what is, what is heaven going to say to them? We, we talked about how all the power of heaven, when it spoke to, to uh, the woman with the issue of blood, it spoke to her daughter. How the power of heaven, when it spoke... From the cross, it said, forgive them. Now he's talking to the guys who abandoned him. What's he going to say? He says, peace be with you. And as the Father has sent me, now I am sending you. Jesus did not hold their abandonment against them. He didn't say, well, I guess I can't trust these guys. No, he commissioned them. He gave them something to do. And that's what he does with us. I don't know about you, but if I had been Jesus... And had risen from the dead. 
had the power to walk through walls and stuff. I might have shown up at Caiaphas' house. And when he was asleep, just like stood over him, shook the bed. And when he woke up, he'd be like, ah! Or I might have shown up in Pilate's chamber, you know, and shown off. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus didn't flex his muscles. Because God's not like that. God's not retributive like that. God's not vengeful like that. That's what we are. We like to try to put our attributes onto God. We want a vengeful God. We want a God who's like that. But God doesn't have time for that. God's about restoring and building people up, not tearing people down, not bringing vengeance. God's a healer. God brings healing. God brings healing. So Jesus speaks to his disciples, and he spe- heaven speaks over them, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. And then as he's about to leave the earth, he speaks to them, and he speaks over the world. And <clears throat> Jesus says, all power in heaven and earth has been given unto me. All power in heaven and earth. Jesus had the power of heaven and earth when he spoke. But what he spoke over the earth before he left, over the whole world, is that go and tell them the good news. Go tell everybody the good news. When when heaven speaks, it speaks peace, it speaks blessing, and it speaks good news. And when Christ spoke on earth, it was blessing, peace, and good news. And when he speaks into you, it's not condemnation. It's not, uh, oh, look what you did now. I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you failed me. I can't believe you've made so many mistakes. No, it's peace and reconciliation. God wants to bring peace into your life. Heaven wants to speak over you today and bring peace and reconciliation over you and your life. He wants to bring peace into your home. He's speaking over you today, and what he is speaking over you is peace and healing and restoration and reconciliation. He's saying to you today, daughter. He's saying to you today, son, I love you. I forgive you. That's what heaven is saying over you today. That's what Christ is saying over to you today. He knows where you've been. He knows what you've done. He wants to put his spirit in you and resurrect you back to life. He says, all who are weary and heavy laden, come unto me and I will give you rest. I'm going to ask the band to come back up at this time. I told you, I know this was a different Easter morning message and I I took a lot of turns and went a lot of different directions that probably most Easter sermons didn't. I want to read you the scripture in 1 Peter. It says, Through Christ you have come to trust in God. And you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. For you have been born again, but not to a life that will end quickly. Your life will last forever. Because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. 
And that word is the good news that was preached to you. River Church, I have good news for you this morning. Jesus has risen from the dead. And because he has risen, he will quicken your body and bring you new life and bring you strength and bring you victory and power over sin and bring you healing and bring you restoration if you will just reach out and touch him. Don't just be part of the crowd this morning. Don't just be part of those who are watching and who are going to leave and maybe laugh. Be one of the ones that presses through. Be like that thief on the cross who was not just part of the crowd. He could have been. He could have been part of the crowd. But he reached out and said, remember me. And Jesus did. Jesus answered that prayer. And if you will reach out to him, I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to, they're going to sing another song. And that's how we're going to end the service. But as I pray, I want you to reach out to him. As I pray right where you are at home, I want you to reach out to him. It's not a complicated prayer. It's just, God, I want to follow you. Jesus, I want to follow you. Jesus, help me be like you. Jesus, help me follow you. So I challenge you this morning, don't be part of the crowd. Be one of those that reaches in. Don't just be part of the crowd. Be one of those that reaches out and touches him. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this day. Lord, I pray that you would be with your people, Lord. Lord, I pray for everyone who is watching. Lord, I pray that you would touch them, that your hand would be upon them. God, that we would have within us what that woman had. Lord, that woman with the issue of blood. God, you would put that determination in us that we are not going to leave the way that we showed up to this crowd. We're going to leave changed by the power of the word of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, would you do that work in us today? Jesus, would you begin that restorative work in us today? Jesus, would you start, would you begin to restore my life? Would you begin to restore uh, me? Would you forgive me of my sins? Would you help me as I follow you? Would you help me to love uh, my, my neighbor? Would you help me to love my brothers and sisters in Christ? Would you help me to receive the love that the Father has towards me? Jesus, we need you this morning. Lord, I pray that you would touch your people. God, I pray a blessing over them. Lord, I pray that you would bless them and that you would cause your face to shine upon them. Lord, I pray that you would bless them as, as, as they work this week or as they're home this week. God, that they wouldn't just be part of the crowd, but that they would spend some time reaching out and touching you. I thank you for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let us sing together one more time.
to reveal your kingdom coming and to reconcile the lost to reveal the whole creation you did not despise the cross for even in your suffering you saw to the other side knowing this was our salvation jesus for our sake you died Jesus Christ, who has resurrected me. 